Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 65 of Death Readers, the podcast where we read through the Harry Potter series book by book. This is my first time reading the series, and it is Rob's manyth time. Rob is here to help guide me through the process of reading these books as a nascent reader. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've read, I've seen the movies, saw the movies when they came out, but mm-hmm. I've never, uh, never read the books. It was shocking once upon a time. It was shocking once upon a time. This this episode, we're going to be reading through uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, chapters 19, 20, and 21. Uh, so if you would like to read along with us, reread those chapters, and then come listen to the show, because you can hear our page notes as we read through them, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that part when I just read it, right. and they're talking about it. Right. Cool. Because uh, otherwise, you're basically just relying on your memory, and memories are not necessarily they are foolproof. Exactly, as we learned from Professor Slughorn, they can be manipulated, they can be altered, they can be changed. It's it's just best to refresh it and just do it right away. What are you trying to hide, reader? What don't you want us to know? Read the book. Yeah, yeah. Don't just trust us to. You should if you love these books so much. Why don't you read them? <laughs> <laughs> Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, read the book. <laughs> you f- fans in quote, read the book. <laughs> anyway, that's unnecessarily aggressive. I'm sorry everyone <laughs> listening. It's been the tone lately. It's nice to it's nice to not be the one being aggressive. <laughs> I think we had some housekeeping. Did you do your housekeeping? I did. I did. I almost forgot and cuz it's been a full day, but I did my housekeeping. Um do you want to talk about our other housekeeping first? Rob and I were fortunate enough to be guest hosts on a podcast uh, discussing the Netflix series Dark. Uh, and the, the podcast is called Wake Up Winden, so go check it out on all your Podbean apps or all your podcast apps. Uh, we were we were contacted by the host and asked... The host, Brian. The host, Brian. Uh, sorry. <laughs> contacted by the host, Brian, to see if we were interested in coming over and, and talking about the show. And he was amicable and, and sweet and entertaining. And uh, we did a show. And then we did another show. So if you like our show, maybe you'll like his show and go, you know, check it out and listen to it. And, and if, you know, also watch Dark, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, he I feel, I feel like I shouldn't say that. You don't. I'm going to say I like Dark no, and... Well, Okay. Wait. What you Here, got? Here's why. Okay. Here's why. I'm okay. gonna say I'm not. I, I feel uncomfortable suggesting people watch Dark. Okay. Is because I don't want to advertise for Netflix. <laughs> I want to advertise for Brian because I like Brian. I like his show. Okay. But I don't want to give away sponsorship. Okay. Okay. I got this. I got this. Don't watch Netflix. Pirate it maybe, but don't watch it. Or. Steal your parents, uh, you know, password. Go to Germany and watch Dark there. Yeah. Because Dark is a German show and it's fantastic. Don't watch it, dubbed. You're better than you like to read. You're listening to a podcast about reading. Watch it in German. Yeah. 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 I I couldn't agree more. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, if you like our show, we, you know, popped in over to this other show. It was fantastic. We had a great time talking about this show that you should watch but not necessarily on netflix uh, unless they want to pay us to talk about it and then in which case absolutely netflix but until then retroactively yay netflix and, but right now until then yeah until then i don't care how you get it just don't pay for it 
But uh, what about our other housekeeping? Our housekeeping. Did Rob spoil the book or was Doug not paying attention? I, I hope I hope that that lead in gives you a clue. I'm, I'm waiting for the revelation. Okay. Well, I will say as revelations go, as... <laughs> As, is this a tepid revelation? <laughs> as as we've all some grasp of English as, I guess, a primary language, um, we understand how to structure things so that we get from point A to point B in a story and convey a meaning. And I feel like J.K. Rowling didn't do that so good in these pages I'm going to read from. Yep. So I can totally see why you might have thought uh, it was a spoiler. So starting on... Oh, so do we want to talk about what this is? Go for it. Okay. Pitch it. In the last episode, it was revealed by possibly me <laughs> that the boy <laughs> who was who stole something from Grigorovich in the memory that Voldemort, that Harry saw in Voldemort's head, fucking Inception, uh, was Grendelwald and not Xenophilius Lovegood. Or anyone else. Or anybody else. I firmly said, it was Grindelwald! And Doug went, who what? And, oh, the look on his face, it was so sad. So now I had to find out, did I spoil it, or was he oblivious? Here's what I've uncovered. We will we will, we will, will decide together. I'll be part of my own tribunal. <laughs> that's, that's impartial, but go ahead. It's you, me, and Doug. Okay, starting on page 336. I've got to turn to page 336. I'm going to do it, too. So at the bottom with Turgio, Turgio, Mm -hmm. the dust vanished from the photographs and he saw at once that half a dozen were missing from the largest and most most ornate frames. He wondered whether Bathilda or somebody else had removed them. Then the sight of a photograph near the back of the collection caught his eye and he snatched it up. It was the golden-haired, merry-faced thief, the young man who had perched on Grigorovich's windowsill, smiling lazily up at Harry out of the silver frame, and it came to Harry instantly, where he had seen the boy before, in the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore, arm-in-arm with the teenage Dumbledore, and that must be where all the missing photographs were, in Rita's book. All right, now we go to 352. We go to 352. This is like the Da Vinci Code, all right? Okay. This dollar bill's trying to tell me something. 352. Harry, you wanted. Near the top. Harry, you wanted to know who that man in the picture was. Well, I've got the book. Timidly, she pushed it onto his lap. A pristine copy of The Life and Lives of Albus Dumbledore. Where? How? It was in Bethilda's city room. Etc. Etc. Then we skipped down to 350. Hold on. Just just follow with me. He tried to return. Now at the bottom. He tried, because that's all, we don't need that pap in the middle. He tried to return her watery <laughs> smile. Then return his, this is subtitle for the whole series. Harry Potter, you don't need that pap in the middle. He tried to return her watery smile, then turned his attention to the book. Its spine was stiff. It had clearly never been opened before. He rifled through the pages looking for photographs. He came across the one he sought almost at once, the young Dumbledore and his handsome companion, who we've established is the merry thief from the last chapter. Okay, right. Roaring with laughter at some long-forgotten joke, Harry dropped his eyes to the caption, Albus Dumbledore, shortly after his mother's death, with his friend, Gellert Grindelwald. Okay, so... so I think I I agree with your original assessment, uh, 20 pages to finish a thought. <laughs> That's not good. That is it's not, not how you talk. It's, no, it's... I, I, it, she could have done exactly this with maybe three more sentences recapping where we last left that thought. It, like, the, even the moment where she writes, he found the picture he was looking for almost immediately. Even she, In that moment, she had said, 
despite all the action and events that had just transpired in the last 20 fucking minutes or whatever it was like with Nagini erupting from the neck of Bethilda Bagshot and uh, Voldemort showing up and them having to like get out of there and like, you know, disapparate to this new location, the wand breaking, all of this stuff. If, 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 if Harry had had an, if there was an acknowledgement from the author of something like, despite all of these things that's happened in these 20 pages from when I had this thought to when I will finish it, Harry remembers, oh yeah, that photo of the one of, of the, that is exactly the, the person in the, in the memory from Voldemort. If, if that had been reestablished, that's all I'm looking for is a reminder that like, uh, and yes, I had an ellipsis here on this thought. Here's the introductory ellipsis. I don't know if there's, if it's a different word for that, like the three periods before a sentence, if like, but like you want to have those notations of like, there's a gap here, but this is the same thought. Right. Yeah. So, Whew, technically, slid in under the wire, grabbed my hat just as the door came down. I did not spoil it. No, you didn't. I just didn't. And there's no reason you should have. Right. You were not reading this in, like, one chunk of an evening, because that's what I did literally the first time. And I'm like, I'm right there with you, because 20 minutes, what's it to me? I I, I was there. It was, was, you know, five minutes ago for me, or whatever it was. Right. Absolutely. I know what you're talking about, and she leaned into that. She used me. No, I'm I'm grateful that you didn't spoil it. I'm very glad that like it. I'm glad that it was she is an <laughs> awkward author sometimes and like uh, does these weird twenty page gaps between thoughts. So yeah, okay, cool. You are redeemed. Whew. I apologize no, for the totally fair the the strife I put on you, <laughs> and I appreciate your effort to go through and and do the work for me. It just yeah, it, it you know that that. That one paragraph, I was like, I'm like, there's more to this. I have to go back. I have to go back. Yeah. I'm glad that you didn't read through the 20 pages <laughs> necessary to get there. But I'm also really impressed that you picked out the, the three specific spots that you'd need to, to connect. Because she didn't. <laughs> no. All right. Well, do we have any other anything else? I don't believe so. All right. Well, listener, if I hope you read along because uh, we're about to get into chapter 19. The Silver Doe. Uh, what is your first page number? 373. Interesting. Mine's 366. Oh, fun. Why don't you tell me your 366 note? All right. 366. Uh, At this point in the series, because it has been 3,000 pages or more, Mm -hmm. do we know what Snape's Patronus is at this point? Interesting that you say that. Let me go back to three different sections in an earlier book. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I don't. why, Why would you bring him up? Why would I always bring him up? I mean, in this particular instance, why would you why would you bring him up? Well, I would always bring him up in this particular God instance. Always. Yeah, yeah. No, I. You know, when you explain the joke, it it actually makes it easier for me to follow it. Always. <laughs> no, I don't believe we have seen it. There was some mention in one book. Maybe it's later in this one where I thought there was an instance of of Snape becoming a bat. You haven't read that, right? It must be later in this book. Where where, no, where he transformed that. himself, or maybe that's his anime. Just, it's just a bat flew away, and, 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 and the book lazily asserts that it could have been Snape. But... Wow, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I don't think we know about his Patronus. Okay, that, that works for me. I just, you know... 
I guess I remember enough from the movies uh, to, I think, know what this is, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that was just my, my main question, was if if we knew that already, then the kids are dumb. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, I think that there's, in, in my recollections, I don't think there's an awful lot of instances where the professors show their patronuses or patroni no um you get in trouble whipping out your patroni in front of a student um but they because i think that that's one of the bigger deals about like the the sequence with uh the da is Mm -hmm. that everybody has their moments of discovering what their patronus are right and hermione is is an otter because a clever right, exactly and and ron's a dog like, is that like a terrier because he's super loyal except right. for when he's not except for when the it suits him he's loyal but he's also an idiot like a dog um yeah okay some dogs most terriers terriers idiots honestly ronald will you stop eating your own shit oh gross sorry the uh so i i don't think we've seen any of the professors do their own patronus except lupin maybe We've seen him bash a bogart. I don't know if I remember him actually ha- produ- producing a Patronus. We know Dumbledore's is a phoenix, and I think he sent messages that way before. But I don't know. Again, yeah, you're right. I don't think we saw it. We saw something silvery whoosh off to go get uh, Karkarov in book four. Right. But they mentioned um, it, anyway. didn't they? They're like, but Dumbledore's, Who, in this book, they were like, in this chapter, they were like, Dumbledore's Patronus was a phoenix. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know if his was a phoenix. There's I, part of me that I thought won- there was this. I thought there was a scene where Ron was doing his Ron thing, like maybe it was Dumbledore, and Harry was like, "No, Dumbledore's Patronus was a phoenix." It'd be in the next chapter. Yeah, it's phoenix. I guess huh? internet says phoenix. I mean, it says, uh, it says I don't remember that happening. If you, uh, if you read it, I mean, I don't remember it happening. I think it was in book one. It said Dumbledore's, and then in book three, it said Patronus, and then oh. in book seven, it said is a phoenix. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like JK. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, a, that's the end of that note, I guess. I just like the idea. I guess the, one of the problems I had with it was the idea that Harry would see a silver animal mm-hmm. and not go internally. Obviously, this is someone's Patronus. Someone's nearby. Right. Someone's leading me somewhere. Someone has figured out where I fucking am. This is all a problem. And he doesn't have any of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. It, until it's too late until like he's like i feel like i can see someone watching me and then he's like i better get naked <laughs> like he's just <laughs> and, and only after ron rescues him does he have the moment where he says if it wasn't your patronus then whose was it but like even up to that point he hasn't acknowledged internally that it is a fucking patronus are you sure about that not <sighs> no i'm not sure about anything hold on a sec all, all I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't acknowledge it ever. I'm saying he doesn't acknowledge it instantly, which I feel like at this point with his exposure to Patronuses, it should have happened instantly. I feel like it's one of those lame lines where he's like, the Patronus, for that's what Harry thought it was, but it did take a while before that. It was at least articulated to us. Yeah, but yeah. like it's, it's so much later that it, it kind of... It lends to an ambiguity for the reader to think, is this a Patronus or is this something different? Because it's a fucking magic world. Sure. And I don't know. I don't have a reason to trust that my instincts will be correct because literally house elf magic. Right. Literally like the Deathly Hallows. Like there's all this shit that just comes out of nowhere that is new and cha- like fucking tracers. The f- And we'll get to the fucking uh, 
taboo name oh, bullshit. Good. Like good, because I wrote that um, down too. Yeah. Anyway, it, it there's so many retcons, so many like backpedaling, so many overinflating of cool ideas from the before mm-hmm. that like I don't I can't trust her as an author to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So. Like, that's what I mean. Like, there's no reason for me to assume that there isn't a special silver deer species that only wizards can see out there somewhere. If you don't fucking say, Harry recognized it instantly as a Patronus or suspected immediately that it must be a Patronus, but who would be casting it? Right. Nothing like that. <laughs> so, what? No, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just amused at your indignation because it's 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 worthwhile and observational oh thank you that's uh, that's my only page note so oh, oh uh, what's your next one uh 373 uh i wrote this down because it annoyed me and then it proceeded to happen like eight more times and really great uh, Love it. bugged me uh so this is when ron's whining about not wanting to destroy the locket sure um he was not being kind, he, Harry, was not being kind or generous. As certainly as he had known that the dough was benign, he knew that Ron had to be the one to wield the sword. And I was just like, he knew with the power of narrator's omniscience. And then it yep. keeps happening. He just knew. She just moved the plot along. She just filled out her r- word quota for the day because she wanted this book to be goddamn done. And she's not even halfway there yet. <laughs> it just, show don't tell but I'll show them that I'm telling. So that's a way around it. I don't know. <laughs> Harry had the power of understanding character arcs <laughs> and knew that this was Ron's moment to arc. Ron had to, had to, you know, cross this threshold and, and, and confront his, his fears in this moment by force, if necessary, like, and if, and if, and if, if he wouldn't do it, we're going to really jam it down your throat that this is a real big moment for him. Having already refused the call, Harry felt like he could, he would be willing to share a brief moment of the spotlight where, for so that Ron could be the hero for once, but also ensured that no one else was around to see it happen. <laughs> so he didn't actually have to share anything. He just could manipulate Ron into feeling like he was a hero while Harry could still take the spotlight in front of people that mattered. Once again, it, th- this was the heroic Rubicon Crossing equivalent of buying the entire <laughs> cart of snacks on the fucking Hogwarts Express. It is. It, it is. It totally is. I own you it again. Is. Yeah, he, he, he constantly I'm... finds these moments to, like, get Ron to... He, he, he buys Ron's loyalty. Harry knows that he could smash the locket, no problem. <laughs> But he needs Ron to do it, so Ron will will strengthen his loyalty to Harry, because Ron has just proved that Harry hasn't had enough of a strong hold on him to keep him around. I was keeping Hermione in my back pocket in case things with Ginny didn't work out, but I'll throw you a bone. Yep. Oh no, no, yep. we're like we're like siblings. I love her like a sister. Yeah. I thought you knew that. This is for you. This is my gift to you, and I won't talk about the last two weeks. In oh, the that's tent. weird. It's weird because he does that too. He also sort of like he he surrenders his right to Hermione. Yes. To Ron. Yes. In that same moment. Yes. God, that's fucked up. It is. That is so fucked up. Damn. It's a really good way to put I, it too. I really like that. He surrenders his right to her. It's good. It's it's like yeah. He's like he was like listen. I know I have prima nocta, but <laughs> the the thing is, the thing is. I love you, Ron, so much, and I, I think that we're such good friends, don't you? And you're going to owe me that, so hard. 
I'll I'll surrender that right. It's it's disgusting. Harry Potter's a fucking asshole. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, my next note is nowhere near as insightful, but just the the eyes and the locket made me because I know J.K. Rowling's a fan or has been up until recently a fan of Stephen King. Right. And the eyes and the locket just totally. I'm like, was she just watching it? Because yeah. there's the eye and the fortune cookie. Right. And I'm talking about because at the time this was written, I'm talking about the old Seth Green it. Yeah. I'm not talking about no fancy schmancy. That's my that's my fancy schmancy dance. That's because I can't no think can of see it. That. Bill Sarsgaard <laughs> it. <laughs> it's funny that you pick Seth Green as the as the person to like stake down the the most identifiable actor in that film. There's well, uh, uh, what are you gonna you're gonna call you're gonna cite Sequest? I can't remember his name. Tim Curry? Like, no. Oh. <laughs> t- t- Tim Curry. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, sure. If we're going to go for the adults, then sure. I could cite, cite your um, Annette O'Toole's or your... No, I'm I'm saying John no Ritter. one ever... Only you and I, I think, are people who refer to it as the Seth Green it. <laughs> and I, I wish I... Most people will say the Tim Curry It's it. a good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. I also, if, if I could remember her name, the, the young lady who went on to be in um, Ginger Snaps, but I can't think of her name. Oh, shit, yeah. Right? Because um, she was Beverly young Marsh. Bev. Young Beth. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but also that you picked Bill Skarsgård to represent the it's, other I couldn't think movie. of Finn Wolfhard in time. And like... Again, not the one I think I would I would pull. Like James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, I, I could Bill okay, Hader. I Jessica Chastain is so hardly on my radar. Uh, Bill Hader, I honestly forgot about, and James McAvoy, more like Maca. Ugh. Nope, it's not. You don't have a. Th- okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he's not. He's 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 not my cup of Mr. Tumness. James Maca, boy, is he a great actor, and I like seeing him in films. You know what? I'm not even going to argue. He's a great actor. He just doesn't do it for me. He seems he's like kick ass. He's not. He was, what was that fucking movie? He was not in Kick-Ass. He was in that other fucking movie. Uh, the, uh, the bending one? Yeah, the the bendy bullet one. Uh, what the fuck was that wanted? movie called? Yeah, I, that's it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so before anyone gets pissed at me, Mark Millar wrote both Kick-Ass and, <laughs> and Bendy Wanted. Uh, bendy that's wanted. why I had yeah. it confused. It's called Bendy Wanted. Um, yeah. No, he's, he's fine. He's just like... You know how you'll see like a Canadian actor... That seems like no. a shut up. That seems like a low rent version of a of a high profile American actor. This is not this is not including high profile Canadian actors like your Ryan Reynolds or what I'm talking about when they're when specifically you're watching a late night like TBS show that's clearly filmed in Canada and they have an actor that's supposed to be in the mold of this person. It's like just completely cheap version of your more high profile actor. You with me? I'll just I'll just say I understand what you're Canadian, talking about. Canadian so James McAvoy is a Canadian knockoff of Ewan McGregor, except that he's not Canadian. Yeah, no, they're both Scottish. Scottish. I know he, but he's the Canadian knockoff Scottish. That's what I'm saying. And and there's a huge, huge population of Scottish people in Canada because that's what gave us Mike Myers. So because that's what gave us Mike Myers. Yes. <laughs> That's not how logic works. <laughs> there are a huge population of Scottish people in Canada because Mike Myers. Yeah. Duh. Duh. He made them happen. So, Canada's done some I, great things. I'm just saying they could have put a little more effort into James McAvoy, who's Scottish. Oh, well, okay. 
Listeners, I'm sorry <laughs> that you had to endure all of that. Do you, um, want, do you want to apologize to James McAvoy while you're at it? No, I think he... I, I think that he's smart enough to to not possibly be offended by you. <laughs> I think totally he's probably fair. so fucking secure that if he found out that you said that he was a Canadian Ewan McGregor, that he would go, that makes so little sense. I couldn't spend any effort and time on it because I'm a world-class actor who is too busy making a shit ton of money being really good at acting well, sure. to bother with that. If fame, success, wealth, and... Talent? Talent, yeah, sure. Um, or how you measure the metrics of success, which I already, I think, included success in there, so that's redundant or recursive, uh, then fine, he's successful. <laughs> that's my end of the notes. All right. <laughs> great. Great. That's the end of that note. Do you have any other notes for this chapter? No, that's what I'm saying. That's the end of my chapter notes. Well, I have I have an, a bit of an overview, I guess. And oh, it's okay. mostly just that I didn't I felt bad that I didn't have more to say about this chapter. Like a lot of stuff happens in this chapter. Yeah. But I think the thing that bothers me the most is that none nothing that happens here feels earned. And I, and I want to I want to talk about that for a second because there's a handful of things that happen that are all beneficial for the characters and progress the story. Mm -hmm. But the characters themselves did nothing to earn those successes. They find the sword of Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. Why? They don't know. Someone literally hands it to them. They don't know like where, who it is, where it came from. They seemingly Harry doesn't seem to be able to understand that it was absolutely a Patronus who someone absolutely was guiding him towards this thing to hand this to him and <laughs> almost thinks that he lucked into it like he they almost like he and ron are so dumb that it certainly seems like they kind of think they might have just gotten lucky i know that i know what happens in the end with this and i know why it's not what i was gonna talk this about this happens ahead. Okay, but I, I, I know why it's important sure. for them to have been gifted this. I know that it's the big reveal of the book. Sure. I know that it's the big reveal of the series. I know it's one of the most iconic moments of the entire series. Mm -hmm. and, and in that sense, knowing that ahead of time, I can kind of forgive this. But what I, I can't really like forgive mm -hmm. at this point is Harry getting a new wand. Like, like Ron just shows up with it. Right. There's no, he, he just, and he literally just says, because it's kind of lazy writing, it's great to have a spare. What? It's a rolling ex where, machina. Yeah. Where's, where's the adventure where they have to go out and find a wand for Harry? Where's the, like, it's, you have it gift wrapped. Tell me that story. Take me to like in their, in their adventures of trying to find the boy in the, in the window, in trying to find Grindelwald, they go, let's say they go to a, they discover an old house that, like an old haunt, an old safe house Grindelwald lived in, and they find an old wand, and Harry picks it up, and he has a similar, like, rush of air and feeling of power at sure. grabbing it, and he's like, wow, this is crazy that, like, I would have a connection to a wand Grindelwald owned. Maybe there's something to that. Something that has a a gravitas and a character development, like a progression. Sure. Like some sort of, you know, bridge to cross. Yeah, no, to that, get that would there. be Instead great. Of, that would be very, 
That'd be great. Yeah, it would be fucking great. But instead, she just has Ron show up again, almost out of nowhere. At this point, we don't know how he got there. Another unearned advantage. It's like they get three gifts here and they earned none of them. Mm-hmm. Ron comes back. There's no it doesn't it, there's no reason. Even when they give the reason later, it's fucking stupid. It's really stupid. It really bothers me. Um, the whole fucking Deluminator thing. I, I that extremely problematic for me. But the 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 spare wand and the sword of Gryffindor, like it's it's just too much. It's like you okay at this point she spent a hundred or so pages of mopey bullshit that's not fun to read. When she sets up these three things that these two characters, Harry and Hermione, could be questing to get. Mm -hmm. They could be doing things to get these three things. Ron coming back, a new wand, and the sword of Gryffindor. They've been pining and bitching and sitting on their ass doing nothing about these things for a hundred pages. And then in a span of 10, 15, they get all three of them all at once. Mm -hmm. And it, it is... Like a balloon, a balloon deflating. Like it is, it is incredibly unsatisfying. And I, and I think the reason is, and I, and I know that eventually these things kind of have justification later. But that's like, how fucking crazy is that? Like, if I was to tell you, dude, we're gonna go have a great meal at this fantastic restaurant. It's gonna be your favorite kind of food. It's gonna be delicious. The weird thing though is, and this is part of the experience. Uh, trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> you eat the food but you don't actually taste any of it until like three hours later (laughs) so you have to so like you you'll overeat maybe but you you won't really enjoy the actual eating process but it's it's like delayed gratification for eating um so you might be asleep when your taste buds are flooded because you know you're gonna have dinner at nine or like you know eight and you might be like a little sleepy a little you might have had a little wine and yeah. then yeah, you're full. You're gonna be a little like tuckered. And then when you're sleeping, you're just gonna be hit with all these like flavors and stuff. And it, it's it's gonna affect your dreams. But like, it, it's, it, I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds unconventional. I know it sounds arguably stupid. <laughs> but it it is it is unique. And I think that there's some value there. Like that's a hard fucking sell to me. Yeah. And that's what this is. It's not even selling. It's just giving it to me. It's like, it's like, it's like, here, pig, eat this. Like, that's how it feels. It just feels really, like, dismissive. Um, I think everything you said is correct. I think a big part, because even though there's some action in this, a big part of this chapter is more telling, not showing. It's Ron coming back and saying, this is all the stuff that happened. And that you're just like, but I just had this big thing that arguably was not earned and now i'm just getting a fucking info dump that's how we're spending the the, our our afterglow fuck you yeah no it's it's uh spot on she she has this horrible tendency to like you said tell not show Mm -hmm. and she she has enormous books she has so much real estate of of like pages like page real estate to develop really compelling and interesting stories and arguably she fucking does i get it they're incredibly successful but like it's really hard for me to feel gratified reading these things when i read them and i see shit like this when i see like we've had our last two episodes so six chapters have been really boring Mm -hmm. like they were not enjoyable reads maybe even before that they weren't that good most of this book is watch is reading characters be bummed out in a tent right so far 
or bummed out in an old house. Sure. Where then they sit down and someone tells them a great story about something that happened a long time ago and they're not a part of it. A couple times this happens. Yes. Um, like at least three times. All stuff that could have been fleshed out. Point. Almost like book six and seven were written with a single end game in mind that was not necessarily the end game of books one through five. Right. So all the shit had um, to be set up when it could have been set up earlier. Right. Like, yeah, she had to like essentially just be like, I have to establish a good, <laughs> I have to establish a good backstory because I didn't bother doing that at all in the first f- five books. Like she has all this real estate and instead of using it to build these adventures and these progressions and these character building uh, arcs, she sits her characters around and lets them mope and then just solves their problems for them in 10 pages. Do you remember, do you remember how way back in maybe book two, Harry goes to the burrow uh, in Ron's room, the adventures of Martin Miggs, the mad muggle was the comic book he was reading. Okay. That, that time could have been spent describing Beetle the Bard and how it's weird that wizards have their own fairy tales. And isn't that, you know, this one's about three brothers. And this one's about babbity rabbity or whatever the fuck. Um, but it wasn't. It's shit like that that is completely indicative of this being a recent idea. Yep. And, but that's the real estate. That's where it could have been. That's a one-off thing that's taking residence in my brain, but it goes literally nowhere other than, hey, that's wacky. He's a wizard who reads about muggles as opposed to vice versa. It's an okay joke as far as it goes, but that could have been something else. I mean, but, but again, another thing is like recognizing that these books might not be for us. And like, there's still story structure. Even even the sh- you know, the meanest little kid's book, a good one, has a great story structure. Sh- agreed. I, I I totally agree. I, I'm I'm saying like the the Mad Muggle might have been more of a Jar Jar Binks kind of thing. Oh sure, sure. But it, 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 that I don't have a problem with her having the Mad Muggle joke. Right. I my 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 point is that's a, for an example of the real estate where. Right shit could have been snuck in where when we get to book seven we're like oh i remember that this right. has been set up see, this has been planned this has been cared about see i even think about things like i mean i like the sequence where the the goblin revolt like scene where like the goblins and dean are at the fucking like river mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um eating like fishing and stuff and they're talking about it like again that comes out of nowhere yeah that's not set up it's not really paid off it's a moment of a lot of exposition to tell you what's happening in the world instead of letting the characters live in that world and experience it and you see it through their eyes they're literally just watching it's like they're watching an encyclopedia page about or a newspaper they're just watching someone be like here's the information you need let's move on okay so about that it will have Kind of a payoff. This this is actually a thought I'm circling back to that I was trying to articulate sure. earlier. Um, it will have a kind of, I'm going to say a technical payoff because one of those characters figures prominently later. So that scene technically acts as an introduction or a reintroduction to sure. that character. Um, similarly to how the Sword of Gryffindor wasn't earned, but technically, if you want to be really pedantic, which is not how you should write a book... You could you could argue that Harry was led there. Harry saw it. Harry couldn't get it because he was getting the sword for its own sake. And that's not an act of bravery. It was an act of stupidity to go into the icy water. That's just dumb. The sword wouldn't have been drawn. But Ron happened to be there and Ron didn't know about the sword. He just dove in to save Harry. And oh, I grabbed the sword for the hell of it. And that was an act of technically by the rules established of the sword that works. 
but that's fucking lazy. Also, like, then how did Snape get the sword? Did he have to be bravely... Did he have to bravely take it off the fucking wall? Uh, like, he wasn't going to use it. He was transporting it. See, I understand. The wizard who wants to <laughs> transport the sword, but not use it. That's one of her more clever ideas, if she does say so herself. <laughs> Fine. It, <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Like, Ron had to be brave. Like, Harry couldn't have been. But also, like, details shouldn't have to be hinged on technicalities like that. No. That's, and they also shouldn't be so, like... Like, it, it also shouldn't be so ambiguous. We're like, that's that's why Harry was saying... I knew it had to be Ron. Why, Harry? Why did you know that? Could you help me understand how you knew it so strongly and implicitly? Because you didn't because, earn the sword this time. Say that. Right. Right, Tell us right. That. Yeah, say say all of that. Like, walk through those feelings um, instead of just being like, "Do it, Ron, do it." For like two pages, right? While while Ron just gets shit on by ghost versions of his friends and all his insecurities, which felt pretty savage, but also like again, sort of out of place. Like he's already like you're saying he's already been heroic. Yeah, is this really heroic? This like maybe is, this, is this is his penance. In the eyes of the Maybe. reader to, to be like, okay, he, he saw some shit, so it's okay when Hermione, we can be on Ron's side when Hermione's being completely justified and smacking him about and yelling at him. We'll be like, yeah. we're like well, you don't, yeah, take a back seat, Hermione, you don't know what this guy's been through. He's also facing literal demons. Yes. Like, he, these are like, you know, seeds that were planted books ago about his, you know, uh, feelings of inadequacy with Harry and with Hermione, which is totally deserved. He is he is terrible. He's, he's worse he's than both of them inadequate. by far. He's very much so. But yeah, like, and so there's a little bit, you could argue there's like books leading into this payoff, but it still feels like the, okay, in order to earn, you shouldn't retroactively earn something. Yes. Like, I, that, that's the problem. The, these characters have, have been given these three things and later we'll figure out why it makes sense. Right. <laughs> it, it just it just feels like it just feels backwards it just it, it feels incomplete it feels forced yeah that's that's all i have on that chapter that's all man. i have I, on I, that I, chapter i i think those are good notes those are really uh, good notes that, we are so smart that brings us to chapter 20 xenophilius love good love well i mean if we're gonna be honest uh xenophilius love good so that's what because he loves the different he loves the unique he likes to bang aliens. Alien penis love good? Phileas love, not phallus. <laughs> not xenophallus oh, love good. <laughs> like like he's a xenophile. It's not like he's a xenopenis. Xenopenis. <laughs> he uses a xenophallus while he's practicing xenophilia. I mean, it's, it's, it's got Geiger all over it's it. It's got it's got pharyngeal jaws. Geiger, excuse me. It's got what? Pharyngeal jaws. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be the uh, the, the double mouth. Um, I know what it is. That e- I'm I'm telling I'm telling the listeners who are just, you know what? Maybe we should save it for the uh, new word alert. <laughs> I'm so good at this. <laughs> all right. Um, 389 yeah. is my first note. I Okay, I don't have page notes for this. I have, like, overall notes that I guess I'll either talk about when you get to them or I'll talk about it uh, later. Okay, because well, you brought it up earlier, so I thought you were going to have something, but maybe you just want to talk about it later or just off the cuff. Do it. Uh, 389. Well, in the final stretch, 
and saying Voldemort's name actually means something. <laughs> Halfway through Fuck book seven, the... it actually fucking matters to not say his name. Fuck this book. Like, <laughs> fuck you, book. That is so stupid. So fucking stupid. I mean, but... It, is this a new thing? Yeah. Is this a thing that's always been the case? No, uh, no, no, no. Then why did they not say it before? Why did they stop saying it, is what you're asking? No, why was there such a big deal to never say his name before oh, in the first book. Oh, 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 originally, you're saying, like, back in the day, was this a was this a, a power that Voldemort had and then lost and had to yeah. regain? No. Or, pff, yeah. Yeah. So we start with, don't say his name because he's a boogeyman, to, fuck it, say his name, it doesn't matter, to, oh, shit, no, don't say his name because... He's Candyman? He knows, <laughs> yeah, because he knows that everybody... No, he somehow he has the understanding to know that no, there's a whole bunch of people who won't say his name, but there's also a group of people that will say his name. So he's going to bet that the people who do say his name are people that don't like him because people who like him won't say his name. And if he can taboo his name, <laughs> which is the silliest magic I think I've seen in this whole book, <laughs> then he can... Find people who say his name, no matter where they are, breaking through all spells and protective charms. It it's it's so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so negative. I'm sorry for being so critical because it's it's not very constructive. But this is awful. Like it arguably, they, I, it, I mentioned in go, the last episode. The I, I think in the last episode, the idea that. There was something that she did that invalidated the power of something else before. What was that? Do you remember? Dementors. The idea yes. that the dementors are a metaphor for depression or anxiety or self-doubt is lost when you turn them into an implement of corporal punishment by the state right. or by an, an oppressive body. Then they become something different. They become a different kind of oppression, but, but they become a tool of oppression rather than a oppressive internal, in and of themselves, right? Then, right. like, then, then they're no longer really man versus self. Mm-hmm. They become man versus man, right? And it, it's a huge difference in the emotional journey of those two conflicts. Absolutely. So, and especially the 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 the, the symbolic representation therein. So, this is the exact same thing where the idea of not saying Voldemort's name in the beginning of the book was he, because he was a fucking boogeyman because it was this idea that if you stop talking about him, he would just disappear from history. He would no longer, we would no longer be reminded about the horrible things he did mm-hmm. and we could all heal by forgetting. That was, of course, you know, that that's what makes Harry's existence so important is because, okay, even if we can't ignore that he exists, mm-hmm. then we at least have this 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 hero who survived and wasn't able to be killed and and like could stand up to him and he meets this prophecy and all this other bullshit and then eventually the idea of not saying his or of saying his name is like well we think we've actually figured out that not saying his name actually gives him a certain amount of power which we don't want to give him so we're going to take that away by taking his name back and saying it it's all these really powerful like ideas and like symbolism and all this stuff. And then you get down to this last fucking book and she just basically says, well, now you can't say his name because if you do, he'll find you. 
if you say his name three times in a mirror, he's going to get you. Mm-hmm. He's Piggy Smalls. Like, he's going to come get you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, it... <laughs> uh, it... It's like she's cutting her own legs out from under her is how it feels like or she's running out of ideas like so she's taking these older ideas that she has and mutating them and being like this is better right <laughs> like, right where she's kind of lost sight of the original uh thrust of her writing and also I mean with all the the, the telling not showing and it it it, it kind of she it feels it my perception is that she is tired. Yeah, I think so. I think that she's probably under a lot of pressure to get these books out because it's a boom. There's a fucking gold rush on her content. She could not be more successful. And the only way she can maintain her fucking wave and not let it crash, like fucking George R. R. Martin. That's exactly where I was going to go. She's also probably sick of being pestered. Yeah, yeah. When's it coming out? When's it coming out? When's it coming out? When's it coming out? And I don't know if I, which one I honestly would have preferred if I was a fan who neat, who desperately wanted to read these books. Because, right. like, Martin's show's over. Everybody knows how that, that shit's supposed to or may end in the books. But that dude's been writing this book for, like, eight fucking years, it feels like. I don't know if it's actually been that long, but I think it's been around, like, it's been a real long fucking time since his last book came out. And that's only book six. Exactly. So, like... She was probably under an immense amount of pressure and had a lot of incentive to just get this shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's and, entertaining, right? I, yeah, and and I and I think at a certain point when it's the last one, the people who you have around you who are supposed to help you make it really good are probably equally as interested in getting it out right. than making it really good. Right? Because if it was me, I would be like. Dude, there's a lot of good ideas. Let's break the book apart into like post-it notes of ideas and throw some of them away. Like let's work on getting these characters through this story and handling some of the challenges you've thrown them because some of them work, but let's find a creative way to get them to grow. Right. Because Harry really needs to grow in this book. Like he really needs to become, and he's doing it kind of, sure. but he really needs to become a, a man, like an adult person who is strong and confident and independent and can handle himself without being worried. He doesn't, he has to learn to not need Dumbledore. Right. And, and, and that's what he's should be. That's, that's what his character should be doing in this story. And he kind of is, but it's really boring and it's really lazy. No, I really like that. I like, I like the creative idea because creative doesn't necessarily mean imaginative. Right. And the solutions are all more the same. Yeah. And, and, and they just they just pop up like like you're playing fucking like uh, cards against humanity or something. It's just like it's yeah. essentially ad libs. Yeah, it's just like Harry Potter uh, finds blank in a blank with blank. And it's like you just flip over a couple cards and it says like, you know, the sort of Gryffindor in a lake with Ron. And it's like, OK, that's a that's a fucking story. Right. Oh, that happens. There you go. And it's like that's. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's how you can write a story, but it certainly feels like a letdown. Yeah. Like, like it feels, you know what it feels like? It feels like when you like, when you get like a can of whipped cream and you spray it in your mouth, but all you get is the, is the air mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, dare we say the magic is gone? Eh, maybe I guess <clears throat> like, I think must've been a, must've been a connection problem. Dare we say the magic is gone? I, I guess it's more like 
Sorry, I was trying to do. I was trying to do the same take. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't. Uh, it's tough for me to. It's not for me to say because like it's subjective, but like it does feel like, like I've always had criticisms of these books. Sure. So for me. The magic is very specific and rare. Like the magic in these books, like is like saffron. It's like rare and expensive and cherished when it does happen. And doesn't really taste like anything. It doesn't really, but like there, it, there is something to it. No, I know. I when just like where that analogy went in my person. I'm sorry. I, I, I sure. No, I, it's fine. I know. I, 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 I railroaded it from you. No, my, my similes tonight are kind of like all over the place, uh, but they're they're coming. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, my metaphors are all over the place. Oh, okay. It's like you took what I said. <laughs> I was very close to snorting. I really enjoyed that. That was for me. That was for me. That one was for me. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's the end. This is a loopy, loopy fucking episode. That's the end of my notes on that chapter. <laughs> really? Okay, so I'm going to go through... Uh, great. Uh, I'm going to go through my, my thoughts on it. Okay, um, okay. The first note I've taken down is, I have no page notes. I don't know what to say about this chapter. Um, <laughs> uh, I hear I have here um, this moment. It's, it's a huge letdown. <laughs> this is a note I took. A note I took in this chapter because we have another chapter coming up but the note i have here is i like luna i'm glad i get to hear about her even if she isn't in the chapter because at this point i'm thinking she's gonna be in the next chapter i sure like luna yep next note uh seems like mostly a chapter about catching up on where and what ron was doing hmm yeah uh, that's all my notes for that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yep. And that brings us to chapter 21. The Tale of the Three Brothers. All right. What's your first page note? 409. I have 406. Okay. Um, This is the part where uh, Alien Penis says, hey, Hermione, why don't you read this story to all of us aloud right now? And, uh, my thought was like, it just seems like it was just a moment where I was like, this seems weirdly formal. Like, let's imagine like we're at a party and I make a reference to like Goldilocks or something. And then someone there is like, I don't know what Goldilocks is. What's Goldilocks. And then I'm like, oh, you've never heard of Goldilocks. Let's read it in its entirety <laughs> right now. <laughs> so you can become affiliated and really understand my reference or the thing I said, like, just seems odd. <laughs> okay, to amend your simile, just 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 to make a little tweak, I would say not a party, but if I were visiting you, and I said, Doug, tell me about porridge, and you'd be like, well, you know, like in Goldilocks and the Three Bears. I'm like, no, what's Goldilocks and the Three Bears? You're like, ah, oh, we're going to read it. I still wouldn't do that. I think I would just say. Uh, I, w- I would recap it for you. I'd say, oh, it's a story about this this girl who goes to this house and there's the house, there's bears in the house. And then she's like living with the bears and she's like kind of a bitch. And she's, <laughs> that's not fair. Wow. <laughs> she's a child. She's also an intrusive home invader who starts to use up other people's stuff. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say that that qualifies under the term. 
And she's also incredibly ungrateful and selfish. Mm. Like, I'll get more specific with my condemnative words uh, instead of using a rude catch-all. Um, but, she, like, that's what she does. She goes into this house uninvited, uses up all their stuff, judges it all. Like, she walks through like, oh, that's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I wouldn't sleep on that bed again. Are you fucking kidding me? I need a bed that's just right. And... <laughs> And so, like, I would say to you, like... She should try Casper mattresses. Yeah. She should try MyPillow from MyPillow.com. <laughs> God, I wish we had sponsors. Death Raiders not brought to you by anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so so I, would, I would tell you the story. I would recap it for you very quickly. Right. And say... You know, the, the, she had porridge and it was too hot. You know, porridge being like this sort of gruelly oat-based whatever, like hot breakfast meal. Mm. But I would not in any circumstances very likely be like, let's crack open the book. Let's read it together right now. Now, I get that, I, again, I, I have this voice in my head that is the critical listener. Like, I have myself in my head listening to our podcast being like, don't be a fucking asshole. It's obviously this. So, like, I get that eventually this is building up like I'm probably supposed to or have an opportunity here to see this as an odd weird waste of fucking time and think back on it later and think oh maybe there was a reason why alien penis was refusing to like was interested in wasting time and really like 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 taking as much time as he could to 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 keep them there right um that makes sense that's kind of clever and if she's it, reading it, that's one less person going, why are, why are we listening to this old guy read a book? Yep. So I get that. Like, that that, that makes sense. It just, like, uh, and I'm not I'm not mad at it, but it's, uh, it just, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I am, I guess I find it odd that nobody thought this is real weird. Right. <laughs> but then again, they trust him. He's, he's the father of their really good friend. Like, who is I mean, really I guess weird. He's already been established who as being really, really weird. weird. Um, that right. book is in uh, that book is in ruins though, right? So she's reading runes aloud because remember she's been translating oh. it this whole time, and even I don't know That's someone a good point. someone who's really good at translating uh, in school and uses books to translate can they just look at something archaic like that and just be like I'm going to read this now in English? That I mean I know Hermione's good, good, but point. that seems a bit much. It's a good point. It's almost like someone forgot about it. Um, <laughs> All right, my next is page 412. Okay, mine's 409. Oh, um, the concept of readying yourself for death, it seemed like a nice um, callback to Nicholas Flamel in the first book. I mean, isn't that deliberate? Yeah, I guess so. I thought it was real smart, but no, you're right. Yeah, that was it. I was trying to be positive. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> is is not the death, the, the stone or whatever they call it, is it not the fucking philosopher's stone that he has? The resurrection stone? The resurrection is stone. not is it, the philosopher's it, he, stone. Well, does does Nicholas Flamel not have the resurrection stone? Uh, no. He has something that keeps him alive forever. That was the sorcerer's stone or the philosopher's stone. Okay, That's and they're not the same. Thing. Not the same as bringing someone back. Okay. That's extending his life. Oh, okay. that's why they make the My illusion bad. in this. They're like, isn't it kind of like that? Okay. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, and he doesn't have it anymore because remember he's dead. He is dead. Yeah, after he met Newt Scamander and Fantastic Beasts. Whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, well, you had a great point then. I'm sorry I was stupid and didn't understand how great it was. Oh, no. No, no. You you were right. That was obvious. And the book even called my attention to it after a fashion. And so I was just being obtuse. Well, I didn't even see it to I guess, the first time I, around. I guess my point is in, 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 in midst of trying to be positive, the only thing I could latch on to was readying yourself for death while reading this book. Well, <laughs> I was – I think I – was trying to read in that the philosopher's stone was the same as the resurrection mm. stone. And like, I was convinced that that was the case. That would add a whole and so third like, oh. level of shit to this book. Oh my God. I can't even. Right. Like I was like, Oh, this is clearly like a, it's like the whole elder one has had another name idea. It's like, Oh, this is just the same special I life mean, affirming tome or like stone. You're, you're not wrong in that shit have different names in this book, but that one fortunately is not another level. Yeah. Uh, she said, um, 4.11 is my last. Oh, you go for it then. Um, Harry already has the cloak. Well, that's lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's also a little weird because, like, again, at no point did they specify how really special his cloak is. Yep. Like, more often in the stories, they're talking about how kind of ratty it is yep. and, like, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly, suddenly, in book seven, the three look at each other and go, we know of a cloak with all of those magical properties that have never been hitherto conveyed to the reader. And and that people have basically either known he has the cloak, right. like I think professors know. And so none of these, again, it's the idea of like this weird world building where none of these learned people know about the Deathly Hallows and would know that this magic special invisibility cloak like, is has a lot of the same properties of this mythical cloak. Hold on a second. Tell me what you think of this. All right. I don't like it. Ah, but the third hollow is a true cloak of invisibility, Miss Granger. I mean to say, it is not a traveling cloak imbued with a disillusionment charm or carrying a bedazzling hex or else woven from a demigeist hair, which will, be, which will hide only initially but fade with the years until it turns opaque. We're talking about a cloak that really and truly renders the wearer completely invisible and endures eternally, giving constant and impenetrable concealment, no matter what spells are cast at it. Couldn't you argue that Moody's eye? Okay, that's a note I have later. But that's four eleven. Maybe it's four twelve. I have a page for that later. Hold on. Yeah, that was four ten to four eleven. But if you want, I could bleep it out and put it after your note. Well, okay, no, it's fine. We'll just I'll just do that note now. Okay. Um, the thing is, like, yes, I, okay, you say the thing you were going to say. Oh, um, isn't Moody's Eye arguably a spell that could render the cloak, uh, not visible, but it doesn't protect its wearer from being visible? Yeah, I had the exact same thought. Okay. I had, like, when I first read that on, on 4.11, I thought, meh, not, I'll, I'll let it go, maybe they're gonna say something else, and then... This jumps us ahead a couple of notes or a couple of pages to page 416, where Ron says, What about the cloak, though? said Ron slowly. Don't you realize he's right? I've got so used to Harry's cloak and how good it is. I never stop to think. I've never uh, heard of, of one like Harry's. It's infallible. We've never been spotted under it. Lies. Well, he might not know. But because he wasn't there for that instance. Which instance are you but, talking about? Because I can give you an instance. 
oh, okay, I'm talking about the one where Harry's leg was stuck in that weird hole ah, when yep, Moody and sure. and Snape were, like, standing over yep, him, and yep. Moody knew he was yep, there, yep. but, like, or technically not Moody. Right. Moody's eye, though, definitely Moody's eye. M- Moody's eye could see him yes. under the cloak. I'm talking about in book two... When they're in the corner and Hagrid's getting taken off to Azkaban and Dumbledore looks right at them. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. But then again, Dumbledore also had the cloak for a long time. Like, he's the one who gave it to Harry. Sure. So, and I want to point that out as a really important idea of like, so you're telling me at a certain point, Albus Dumbledore possessed two of the fucking Deathly Hallows at once? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is no one going to talk about that? Well, like, I mean, that, that, that might come up. Okay. Well, I, I'm excited for that, I guess. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it, there's we, we have seen instances where this has been infallible, where it's been penetrated and seen. I don't know what he's fucking talking about. Like, I don't... I don't it, it feels like... <sighs> It's like she wants us to forget or she wants us to believe her that it it's better than it has been in observable instances in press books. And I'm going to say, because I have to say it like, like you gave your disclaimer earlier. Yes, it's possible that this is merely part of the leaven, uh, the leaven. This is part of the legend that Xenophilius uh, has heard about the objects, the cloak and can't he can't separate fact from fiction clearly, and so he's just spouting it off like he does with the snorple crunk flipty back. Um, <laughs> that's the first time that's failed Snor-crack. me. Wow, snorkack, snorkack. Wow, shit. What happened there? Um, Crumple horned snorkack. Yeah, obviously. Um, How many times have you read these books? <laughs> Jeez. It's Freaky Friday. You don't know how hard it is to be me. You're supposed to say it at the same time, and we'd swoosh. Um. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up and I wish you were dead. Whoa! I don't know if that's one in oh, no. any movie, but I feel like it is. I kind of want to put those two together so they're in sync. But oh not. no, I know what it was. It was like sometimes I wish you would just disappear. I think that's one. I wish the goblins would come and take you away right now. No, that's that's that. I'm thinking of Home Alone. Oh. I'm thinking of of what Kevin McAllister yells at his mom at the at the stairs. Um before he goes up to bed before they all forget him say it again maybe it'll happen yeah fuck yeah that movie's so good sorry (laughs) where were we uh oh Uh, so this could be another technical point but then again she rides so hard on a character dropping a suggestion and then expecting the reader to take that dropped suggestion as concrete fact going forward yes and now she wants us to rely on the inverse of it so either this cloak is totally infallible or all the other times she's done this have been bullshit. And either way, it, right. it's it's not consistent. Right. We've talked about that practice of her writing before mm-hmm. of this whole like, and you, you've, you're much better at picking those up and just taking them than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's definitely caused problems with my like comprehension of these stories because it, I read them and I go, this doesn't make any sense. She never said this concretely. And then you'll come out and say, well, what about this? And I'm like, that's not concrete. That's a, supposition yeah, like that's a absolutely well maybe it's this and hedging her bets i don't like it yeah hmm? hedging hedging her, her bets yeah i don't it's cake and eating it man it's like i don't like it um but whatever uh good note <laughs> you too 
My my next note's four twelve. You're done with notes. I'm done with notes. Um. All right. I really hate uh, Xenophilius's or or whatever you say his name. Alien penis. I really hate how <laughs> how Xenophallus. I hate the, his logic here. It's like he's he's couching the same logic 9-11 conspiracy theorists and insane people uh, use to justify without evidence uh, or justify their convictions without pr- supporting evidence as some sort of quote like wisdom mm-hmm. or open mindedness mm-hmm. like you'll see that a lot now especially on social media where people will post baseless bullshit and they'll share it as if it's fact and then you go uh, that's bullshit. Like, there's there's no supporting evidence for that. That's obviously incorrect. And the, and then the response you'll get back from these incredibly ignorant but passionate people is, no, I've done my research, <laughs> or no, I uh, I guess we'll have, just have to ag- agree to disagree, or like, it's just my opinion. I'm not looking to have a debate about the the validity of my opinion. And it's like, th- what he's saying here about... Uh, the the specific thing I'm talking about is his 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 notion of just like the idea that Hermione says you can't say that just because you can't prove something doesn't exist doesn't it is like saying it is it does exist mm-hmm. and it's like yes that's that's God like that's exactly the problem with having faith in something that's entire concept is unobservable is that it's not that it doesn't exist it's that there's no evidence that it does exist if there was evidence that it does exist we would seek it out and try to find it fucking neutrinos like that's exactly what we did with those we were like there should be a thing here how do we and there's things that are suggesting that there's a thing here but we can't observe them we're having a really hard time like collecting them and picking them up so super fucking smart people figured out how to observe them and guess what they're fucking everywhere Mm -hmm. They're passing through us right now. Like it's it's intense. But like, if you describe that to like Copernicus, he would probably go, "You don't have any evidence that that exists." If you just gave him the concept, he would go, there, "You have no evidence that that exists." And you'd be like, "Yeah, but like, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist." Fuck you. Prove it exists. Go through the process. I'm not saying that like a a, a crumpled horn storkak doesn't exist. I'm saying there's no evidence that it does. Find the evidence. And then we can all agree it does exist, but this pursuit of a thing that doesn't exist with no evidence and being like, like touting that mentality as being enlightened or somehow like wise or light years ahead of Copernicus. If only the smart people would just listen. I mean, I can see why it's built up into a narrative that people like, but, but it's also a thing that really, I think it's people who don't know how to use logic think Mm -hmm. and i think it's really like i think it's kind of dangerous this is you know me being an asshole but like i think it's kind of dangerous to put a character like this with that kind of mentality in a kid's book because it paints him as this wise smart guy who who in his confidence can disregard logic and defeat the smartest wizard in her age you don't because he just refuses to listen you don't think it's poking fun at that kind of person like like rita skeeter does at bad journalism no no I don't think it at all pokes fun. I think it is basically saying like she can't prove he's wrong. Right. So as the reader, you have to assume he's right. I didn't get that, but maybe I didn't want to get that. Well, I mean, I look at it like his argument here is like uh, we, okay, here's the thing. We know the deathly hallows exist. He 
believes they exist. He has no evidence. Right. He has none. We do. So the 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 conceit there is he is right even if he's wrong about why he's right. Sure. And that that and, and so the why he's wrong about why about what he's right about doesn't matter because in the end he's right. So that sort of says as long as you have conviction about how right you are, you might luck into or it, it, like there's that doesn't mean you are wrong because you because it's just going to be a matter of time before everyone realizes there's lizard people running the world <laughs> and and as long as like I never give up as long as I never succumb to rationale or logic mm-hmm. then I cannot be wrong because what's worse than being wrong nothing and that's that's what freaks me out about this idea sure is that he he's presented and supported like this I think I just. Maybe I just hoped that it was more of a someone who believes everything will have a couple nuggets of truth slip through and that she was using this to poke fun at them. But, yeah, it's not good. Well, if someone believed in everything, then they would simultaneously believe both sides of something. And he doesn't. He doesn't simultaneously believe. That's a good point. He doesn't simultaneously believe that the Deathly Hallows might not exist. Mm -hmm. He believes with great conviction that they absolutely exist. Like. That's not open-mindedness. That's zealotism. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an asshole. Like that's a really <laughs> intense, pushy like person. Like I can have a lot of convictions in our show about like my interpretation of these books, but like I have mentioned many times and and believe that I'm open to being incorrect about or like missing something. Like you, that's part of what makes this podcast fun to do is that like you'll say something about a note or a page. And it won't have like the thing you said earlier today about Ron being brave about Ron. Harry couldn't get the sword because he wasn't being brave. He was being like he needed it. He wanted it. So he couldn't have it. Mm -hmm. Ron needed to be brave to save Harry in order to get the sword. I didn't think about that. That didn't occur to me. I was going off about how they didn't earn anything. And you made these good points about how like they kind of did. But it's in like a really weird like backwards way. It's so backwards. But it is. But uh, but it's. But I see it now. Sure, sure, like sure. I can appreciate that perspective. And that's like this character doesn't do that. And the again, it's one of these bad example characters that we never I'm gonna guess we don't really get to have the the like the better lesson of like, yeah, but like he's a crazy person. You should really pay attention to empirical scientific evidence when it comes to things like We'll have to see. Well, I honestly have to see because clearly this topic's touched on later. I don't necessarily remember everything it said, so we're just going to have to keep our eye out. On the other hand, yeah. he was clearly wrong about the horn. Yeah. So, like, there is an element there about, like, showing that he his convictions aren't necessarily always correct. But, like, that wasn't about, like, blind faith. Like, that wasn't about, like... It was about him just being an idiot. That, I don't know. that it, had the element of him really wanting to believe, even though part of him was at least considering her evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, 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 I just no. Want I, to point out I really the... want this to be a good present for my daughter. Go ahead. Right. I, I just want to point out the, uh, evolutionary invalidity of a horn that explodes when it's touched. If a creature had evolved that trait, they would all go extinct. What if it's a byproduct of some, of some process that happens to the horn after the creature dies? Tell me that that's what it is. 
Um, like this is one of those moments where like I'm doing her you're, work. You're yes, asking me, I know. You're asking. Well, no, you're doing the Xenophilius thing. You're asking me to believe something that I don't know isn't true because I can't prove it's not that. I would have rather you said I was doing her work. Your point is <laughs> your point is sound, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, again, yeah, well, you are, but it's that thing that she traps us into doing of, like, asking us to do the, it's like, to fill in her blanks. And it's, meh, whatever. Anyway, my next note is page 415. Okay. Uh, and it is simply, oof, another dick joke? 415. Read it to me. <laughs> the death stick. The wand of destiny. They crop up under different names uh, through the centuries. Usually in the possession of some dark wizard who's boasting about them. Professor Binns mentioned some of them, but... Oh, it's all nonsense. Wands are only as powerful as the wizards who use them. Some wizards just like to boast that theirs are bigger and better than other people's. I honestly never caught it. <laughs> that was a really long-winded really wizard long-winded. way of saying... It's, it's not the size of the boat, it's the motion of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... That's basically what she just said. That's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> anyway, pa- uh, page 417. Wow, you got a lot of uh, notes. Yeah. I was really struck, like, emotionally. Like, I found myself surprisingly, uh. like, touched by by uh, Luna's mural. Mm-hmm. By the friends mural of her and Neville and Hermione and Ron and Harry. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, that character is so sweet. <laughs> like, no wonder he's willing to sell out Harry Potter to get his daughter back. Right. Like, she's so she's so great. And and his, uh, or, or, or no magic. That seemed interesting. I mean, I, I clearly it was, it was, she was making a point like, this is extra special, but I still, I, I kind of fell for it. No magic. The painting wasn't moving. It was a it was a mundane painting. Weren't the words friends moving? Maybe, but the but the they made a point here. Oh, you said four seventeen. Yeah, I think it could have just been that the words are woven on a band, and that sense it's moving. Oh, okay. Luna had decorated her bedroom ceiling with five beautifully painted faces: Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Neville. They were not moving as the portraits at Hogwarts moved, but there was a certain magic about them. All the same. Harry thought they breathed. What appeared to be a fine golden chain wove through the picture. I, I screwed that up. What fine golden chains wove around the pictures linked them together. But after examining them for a minute or so, Harry realized the chains were actually one word repeated a thousand times in golden ink. Friends. 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 So I don't, I mean, you can certainly make no, the it, argument that there is a case for movement one way or another. But I always just took that they were just, it, it was just... You know, I think she was. Yeah, I think she was them. trying to del- to explain that they weren't like the animated like portraits of people that have personalities and things like that. Oh, I think it's worse. Oh, is it? I think it's the magic of love. What do you mean? The, like that Luna just put so much time into recreating this because she loved her friends. Oh, oh, and that's what makes them feel realistic. Yeah. No, uh, what I'm saying, yeah, I agree with that. I'm oh, okay. saying that the reason she, the reason she says they are not moving, is because she wants to make it because she has moving portraits throughout Hogwarts and throughout the the books. So she needs to make it clear that these are not that because those are actually a different kind of special magic right. that we and still it, haven't figured and this out. Is, this is this is special because it was regular Muggle style painting. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I it just touched me like that idea of like. 
her again luna is great luna is the best i'm bummed about i'm bummed out about what's happening with luna it's fair but at the same time it is kind of like game of thrones where like i've lost so much of my own emotional investment in these characters in these books that like she's kind of the last thread Mm mm-hmm like she's the last thing holding me. She's the character that you like. Like everyone's got a Game of Thrones character they like. Yeah, well, it, but it's also like we've we've lost all these other different things that I thought I liked, or that just are they're, they're like the the you know the glamour of a lot of these different things is is falling away, sure. and it's just becoming more and more difficult to enjoy them. But then, like, throw me a Luna chapter, and I'll probably have a good time. Might have a good time next episode. Oh no! What? No, I was. Oh no! What? No, what? I don't like the way that sounded. Oh, I, I was just trying to sound enticing. You made it sound like we're going to have a Luna episode, but it's not going to be enjoyable. That's what you made it sound <laughs> we'll like. We'll have to wait and see. Well, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> uh, okay. Uh, that's all my everything. I don't have anything else. Okay. Do you have any new words? Because I don't. I have one new word. <gasps> so that brings us to the new word alert. Foreign <laughs> Don't. What? <laughs> let, me, let me actually use Merriam-Webster because I thought, wow, that was weird. Ah, okay. I got it now. Pharyngeal. Pharyn- pharyngeal? Or. Pharyngeal. Pharyngeal? Does that mean like. On the outskirts of, like a, like, or on the fringe? Technically, collegiate definition relating to or located or produced in the region of the pharynx. However, pharynx? However, specifically, we're talking about a pharyngeal jaw. Okay. Because it came up earlier. Pharyngeal jaws. Like the guy who sings that happy song, like Pharrell, like, like a Pharrell's jaw? Pharyngeal jaws are a second set of jaws contained within an animal's throat, or pharynx, distinct from the primary or oral jaws, because we are discussing, of course, Xenophilius's penis. Well, I think that the odd thing about that is that the, the... Those jaws, those pharyngeal jaws, were also fully functioning like they were the actual mouth yeah they're not really pharyngeal they're based on an amore eels jaws which they shoot forward and pull back and then the outer jaws clamp down and it's all hinged together in a mechanism that that makes them even harder to release their prey it's quite creepy yeah um but yeah that's where that came from and we were we were discussing uh love goods junk <laughs> yep well, uh, well, that was a great way to end the show. So, um, <laughs> or I could just say no, no new alert. That's it. No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> um, but uh, well, anyway, I think that I think is that it. That's it. All right. Well, uh, that was Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Okay, you good? Uh, Tell me when you're ready. Tell me when you're ready.
I was using you're not ready to yawn and get ready. One of us is professional. All right, here we go. Talk about it. I'm trying to talk about it. I'll start over. I'll just do this for you. No, Um, (laughs) you told me to do it, and I was thinking about it and didn't really prepare at all. Um, (laughs) But I figure if I speak slowly enough, I can cut out the, the, the slow parts, and it'll sound totally natural. It's going to be a lot of cutting. 